0: This is Andrew Bullock, and you're listening to Drew's Views. Today, I'm going to talk about my views on Zack Snyder's Justice League, a film everyone asked for, but yet Hollywood never gave a chance to redeem itself for. This film has been long gestating in the back burner after the abysmal performance of the cinematic equivalent to, say, taking a very hot, steamy dump, 2017's Justice League. I won't even say Josh Whedon's Justice League, because the original film still had Zack Snyder's mark on it, but was never fully executed the way he intended it for. It was a convoluted mess of bright colors, cheesy one-liners, some ridiculously fucked-up musical interludes, and just a butchering of another man's work all around. But we are not here to talk about steaming piles of shit, viewers, nah. We are here to talk about what I I am honestly declaring a masterpiece in my eyes, and one of the best films I've seen in 2021. Today's review is going to be a bit like my WandaVision review, where I speak on behalf of its parts individually rather than as a whole altogether. The review will be semi-spoiler-based, so if you've seen the original, I kind of touch on those elements, as well as the sweet new stuff that comes along. If you've been on the fence with the film, use this as an audio guide to help compel you to give four hours worth of solid entertainment a chance. So sit back, relax, and let these smooth, velvety chops woo you with my complete review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. so we have basically what I consider like the prologue for this film I actually dug the hell out of this like the opening scene with its tone and music it, it just feels a lot more natural for this world than the light-hearted soundtrack from Danny Elfman I mean no disrespect to Danny Elfman he's one of my favorite composers but it was just way too fucking like whimsical I want to say a lot more like 89 Batman-esque with his score the 2017 Justice League, and you know, Tom Holkenberg, aka Junkie XL, who did the score or redid the score for Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, it starts off with Superman screaming so loud that everyone on Earth can hear his agony. Like, it starts off with Superman's death. I mean, this isn't a spoiler, but I mean, if you've seen Dawn of Justice, Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice, then you know that Superman dies at the end of that movie this movie starts off with that death and how important and or significant that death it really is as far as like the entire universe is concerned so the way it plays out is like he's screaming and he's in agony and basically it's his death cry and it's heard throughout the pretty much the entire globe like it resonates past metropolis it resonates past Lex Luthor and his weird fucking scene where they made that shocking reveal that Steppenwolf was gonna be the next villain even though he's not really a true villain but hey whatever so goes on more and then it goes past Atlantis and it heads all the way as far as Themyscira and that's where the mother box in Themyscira is activated due to his scream so then the Amazon the, the Amazons who are basically like trying to protect said mother box that's where we get that activation scene. That's where it leads up into Steppenwolf coming in and, you know, wrecking shit. It just feels a lot more organic than the confusion that happened during the 2017 Justice League, where the opening for that film now just opened with Batman trying to stop a crook and then he he's like trying to kick a fucking parademon's ass for some unknown reason. It just it just didn't feel right. It didn't it just felt weird. Just goofy as shit, pretty much. <laughs> I saw it with that. I mean, it ends, the prologue basically ends where Bruce is basically traveling the globe to find warriors to join him in his cause for battle. As far as, like, you know, Superman dying, he, he, he's going to need help. <laughs> so, as far as, like, the ramifications of that death, I think that this was a very important scene to start off with. And then that leads into, basically, part one, which is coming up right after this. <laughs> Alrighty, so now we are in part one. We are now officially in Zack Snyder's Justice League. Pretty much, for the long haul. Um, This one is titled, Don't Count on a Batman. Hmm, interesting. I really love the extended banter between Aquaman and Batman. So in the original, they had this little, like, quippage. That happens between them but it's a little bit more extended like it go it leads into Bruce basically going into the set bar to look for Aquaman and he's over here talking to this I want to say what Norwegian or Icelandic gang member or something like that? I don't, I don't know. It's a bar guy. I don't know. Weird random bar guy. And him and Aquaman are basically having a little bit of a back and forth as far as him trying to recruit Batman, trying to recruit Aquaman, or rather Bruce trying to recruit, recruit Aquaman and everything like that. And it just felt a little bit more organic. You're going to hear this a lot throughout this review. A lot of things just feel more natural and makes better sense as far as, like, the continuity concerned throughout the film. So that way you're not fucking... Bad shit, crazy by the end of it like how you were at Justice League 2017 Whew. loved the Steppenwolf battle including his new look so they redesigned Steppenwolf for this film in the original he looked like what I can only imagine is a beetle and sandpaper basically morphed into one and was covered in aluminum foil that's what Steppenwolf looked like. He looked like shit. In here right now, he has this new badass, like, organic kind of, like, sheen costume. It, it's, it's, it, you, you have to see it. Like, when it reflects on, like, sunlight, and I really love the digital effects for that as well, too. It does, like, this weird, like, oil-based, I forgot, I, any of you car aficionados out there you probably know what I'm talking about. It's like that weird, like, sheen paint where if the sun reflects on it, it turns into, like, this weird oil-based, like, looking color. So, yeah, that's basically what his new look was. Very crisp and very visceral as well, too. Like, I just loved his new look. The actual battle that he had with the Amazonians was actually super extended a bit, and I loved it for that. Like, it goes on for for quite a bit, but it had this, like, weird, like, 300 vibes about it. So, I guess this this is Zack Snyder's, like... Like 302.5 or something like that with badass Amazonians fighting against one fucking brute apocalyptian dude. So really, really love that. Really, really love that fight. The action was on point, and it's a great way to kick off this movie as far as like on the action front. I love the extended scenes following with uh, Bruce and Alfred. It just bums me out because we will never actually see these two like, on screen for an entire film, for an entire movie, so I kind of, it kind of pissed me off in a way, because it's like, yo, Jeremy Irons is Alfred, definitely one of the best Alfreds ever, ever, ever on screen, like, Michael Caine, you know, he's good and everything like that, he, he's, he's a classic, I mean, Alfred Goh, back in the, uh, the Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher films as Alfred, pretty damn good. But Jeremy Irons as Alfred, he brings the right snark. He he brings that wit. He brings that sort of like debonair, but like I got you, but also if you fuck with me, I probably will, I don't know, stab your ass or some shit. He's got, he's an Alfred with balls. Let's just put it that way. He's got cojones. He's not bitching and moaning. He tells it like it is. He's very, very like quick and snappy. (laughs) He just has that attitude. And his scenes with Bruce and Alfred are just uh, just, just great, just, just just great stuff. It kind of pissed me off, though, because I'm remembering in the 2017 original how that scene really played out. Basically, it's Bruce and Alfred talking on a, on one of Bruce's many fucking private jets or whatever like that. They're flying out. They're going off to the next you know venture to find another warrior or anything like that for their cause. The way the scene is shot it is so bright and colorful and just magical and everything like that. That makes no fucking sense to the character. Bruce is a dark, brooding fucking superhero. He's the world's greatest detective. He wears black, sometimes blue at certain moments in the comics or anything like that. But when you have the brightest fucking colors and you have rosy red, yo when you see i went and like kind of like viewed that scene in like a 4k hdr format that motherfucker had rosy red cheeks that's not no i can i can imagine that for superman for superman all day all day color him up whatever give him the rosy red cheeks give him the bright blue suit with the fucking emblem with the red bright red emblem and everything like that that's cool this is batman we're talking about now he has no business being anywhere near anywhere near a shade higher than fucking black midnight or darkness. That's really what he's supposed to be. And I don't know how they fucked that up. <sighs> take a breather. But it's a great first part, and it kept me hooked so far. So I'm giving this a seven out of ten as far as part one, titled "Don't Count It On." Don't count on the Batman. I'm giving this a solid seven out of ten. It's a great start so far, and then that leads us into part two. This leads us into part two, entitled "The Age of Heroes." Ooh. <laughs> so I'm really digging the banter yet again between Alfred and Bruce. I just can't help but wonder how the two would be in their own standalone feature. Like if they continued with this universe and gave, you know, the original plan, which was Ben Affleck to direct his own Batman movie, this would have been great. Like if they continued this. Like they they work together, they click, they they definitely need click. <laughs> the soundtrack for this movie actually kicks ass. Like I really do dig the soundtrack for this movie. Like Junkie XL, aka well as he's formerly known as Tom Holkenberg, he does such a more visceral. Like you can hear the percussions and everything like that. He he's basically the composer for uh, Mad Max Fury Road. He also did Sonic the Hedgehog. He did. I believe some of Dawn of Justice as well too. I believe he had his hand in the Wonder Woman theme. Uh, if you've ever heard the Wonder Woman theme, you, you yeah, it's more than likely Junkie XL that did it. But yeah, his soundtrack definitely kicks ass throughout this entire movie. I'll be talking about more about that throughout the parts and anything like that. But pretty cool. A lot of great things came from this. I mean, we get a lot more um, newer scenes in this as well too, including the fucking Adam they got, they have Ryan Choi in this and you mean to tell me they took him out of the original film for what reason? Cuz he's actually a pretty important character as far as like what's going on at Star Labs with Silas Stone and including Cyborg as well too. Like there's a lot of attention to detail with that, you know, whole scenario between Silas Stone and his well, Victor Stone rather and Cyborg's beef with his father. That it's honestly some of the best things to happen to this movie because I, I mean I've said it as I was watching it and I've like said it multiple times this is cyborgs movie this is basically the cyborg movie that we will probably never see but we actually got it through Zack Snyder's Justice League and I just love the just that attention to detail for his character we also get our first glimpse of Darkseid now How it's set up is basically Wonder Woman's going through, like, this whole, like, I don't know, Legends of the Hidden Temple fucking cave or cavern or something like that, and she opens a door with a, I guess, a magic arrow or magic magnetic arrow or some shit like that. She sees these murals depicting, basically, the end of days, a.k.a. apocalypse. So you see, like, characters like Desaad, and you see, um, like parademons everywhere. You see Granny Goodness. You see all of, you know, Darkseid's, you know, soldiers and everything like that. But then you get this one glimpse of him in all of his glory. Be it in a mural, if anything like that, you don't see him fully fleshed out, but can you imagine seeing that in the theater? <laughs> like, just sitting in the theater and you're like, holy shit, it's Darkseid. He's coming. This is like the equivalent to seeing fucking Thanos for the first time. Like when you saw him in the post-credits or the uh, Marvel's Avengers. But here it's like oh shit Darkseid might be here oh god then it cuts to this really goofy ass scene with aquaman now upon seeing it i've seen this movie twice by the way and upon seeing the aquaman scene again i get it i I get it before i thought it was really goofy but upon watching that same scene in the 2017 justice league the music that was used during this scene. It, all right, let me explain it. So the Aquaman scene I'm talking about is the one where he's like, he's got like a bottle of booze and he's like chugging down said bottle of booze and he's walking down this, I guess the, um, the pier leading into the ocean and there's like waves cascading over him and all this shit. In the original, there was this like hard rock kind of song that I, I just irked the shit out of me when I first saw it in the theater. But then here, it's like this more kind of somber kind of tone or something like that. It just fits the character a lot better than fucking I don't know weird fucking I don't know frat boy rock or some shit. I don't know. It's just weird. It sounded like a fucking cover band for Nickelback. All right, let me stop talking about that movie for now. <sighs> but then he swims in the ocean, and we go cut right back into Atlantis. And Aquaman has a very good theme. I I love his little like it's a little like musical theme that happened in the background. So definitely kudos for Junkie XL for doing that as well too. We then go back to Steppenwolf, and Steppenwolf basically calls for Desaad, and this is the first time we see Desaad in all his well, not really you know in the flesh or anything like that. It's it's got this really cool like I guess communication where. He comes through this, like, I guess, stone tablet or obelisk, and it's like he's melting, and you can see, like, every time he talks, it, like, it's, it's like he spews, like, lava or something like that. Really cool special effects, let's just put it that way. And I just really dig that shit. Like, it was a really cool, like, little banter between them. I mean, it, it felt it felt organic. It felt more natural. It felt like it, it should have been in this fucking movie. So then we go off again... And we see Bruce and Diana, you know, Wonder Woman, basically talking, hashing shit out. And Diana explains basically the end game or the, the end times that are coming. And she explains about the Golden Age of Heroes and, the, you know, the title of this part, the Age of Heroes, where we see a multitude of fucking players going up against Darkseid and his army. And this is the first time we see Darkseid in all of his glory coming out and kicking ass (laughs) they took this scene out and replaced it with Steppenwolf in the 2017 original Justice League so in the original it was Steppenwolf who came out and started you know kicking ass and taking names and everything like that in Zack Snyder's Justice League it's Darkseid Steppenwolf had no no reason being anywhere near that. Darkseid is a dude who handles his shit. Sure, he has his underlings and you know he you know he does his little bidding on the side, but when it comes to get down to business, Darkseid is there. Unfooled around, untampered with. I will beat that ass on sight. So he comes with his armada, and you see the Amazonians from Thamascara. You see, just basically warriors of men so you see like mongols you see uh different tribesmen fighting it or anything like that you see fucking greek gods Ares shows up so if you remember Ares from the wonder woman movie the villain from the you know wonder woman movie he comes back he kind of i don't know i don't like the effects that they did with them as well too they look like giants but like weird amalgamations of themselves like his head like looked bigger than his body it it was weird but yeah and then we get one green lantern which I'm assuming is the first Green Lantern of Earth. I don't think it's Abansur, but yeah. Anyway, the protector of that section of the galaxy. It's really cool seeing a Green Lantern in all of its glory and everything like that for just, you know, a brief moment. I mean, he got his ass kicked by Darkseid, granted, but (laughs) hey, Green Lanterns. Speaking of people who got their ass kicked, Darkseid got his ass handed to him. Ares almost delivered the fucking killing blow on him. He got scampered away and everything like that. Is Yeah, he got his ass beat. (laughs) Pretty much. So, so far, with part two being said, that definitely, as far as my score being, I'm still keeping it at a seven. It's still keeping me enthralled. I believe at the end of part two, it goes, I want to say there's about roughly, yeah, by the end of part two, you're about an hour and 14 minutes into the future. So yeah, about an hour and eight hour and eight minutes into the future. So for the first hour, it's actually really solid. And it just kept me going, (laughs) which leads off into part three. And now we're back with part three entitled beloved mother, beloved son. And here we finally see and or meet The Flash. Barry Allen comes in and he kind of annoys me a bit. He's more the comedic relief of the film. And the way Ezra Miller portrays him is this more manic, goofy, you know, just quippage everywhere type of person. Which I get. I mean, The Flash is kind of like, you know, a smartass of the group. But it just didn't land for me. I mean, as far as the tone of the film, I really wanted this movie to get as far fucking away from the corny cheesiness of the 2017 original. I just wanted it to just, just banish it, fling it across the room. As far as that, just throw that in the trash. But it kept it a little bit. But t- to be fair and to be honest, it's not every single scene where it happens to be like this weird banter and or quibbage or just stupid ass fucking dialogue that happens throughout it. Now, these musical interludes that keep randomly popping up throughout these parts need to calm the fuck down. I am not a fan of them. If I have to say my one nitpick about this film, or the parts in general, are these random musical interludes, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Now for this, a scene like this, where basically Barry has to save um, a young woman, the young woman being Iris West iris west now being his future wife or anything like that so you know fate encounters and everything like that and or chance encounters like that rarely happen few fair and few in these type of films but the way that they portrayed this i wish it would it had like more of like an orchestrated soundtrack in the background instead of you know this weird emo fucking song playing in the background but hey it is what it is just super unnecessary and I just did not like this scene at all just the way how it was all you know shot and everything like that it, was just, it just felt weird to me it just completely useless to define the overall plot of the film now the majority of the extended Steppenwolf scenes they kind of slap so Steppenwolf gets more screen time and also a lot more you know a lot more fleshing out for him as a character Especially with his dialogue with Sad and his overall plot to basically redeem himself in the eyes of Darkseid. He basically wants to just go back home without, you know, getting his head chopped off. (laughs) So, I get it. You're trying to do good for your boss. The extended cyborg scenes, as I've stated before, really have been the most captivating to me so far. I mean, we're finally getting to see a fully fleshed out cyborg origin story. Now, growing up as a kid and watching, say, for instance, like the Teen Titan cartoons and seeing like Cyborg, I really wanted to know how he got his powers or how his powers actually work. We actually get to see that in real time. There's a really cool scene where Silas Stone, his father, is explaining like the very foundation of what his powers can do. This guy, when you think about it, he could potentially blow the entire planet up if he wanted to without even just, without not even batting an eye. Like the man could like wake up, make a hot cup of coffee, and just say, "Hey, you know what? Fuck Australia," and just blow it the fuck up, the Kingdom Come, blow it up to Smithereens, if he wanted to. He could seriously. Me and my brother actually joked about this. He could seriously make Bruce Wayne bankrupt in a matter of a second. It literally a snap, he can make Bruce Wayne, you know, completely go bankrupt. He can just ruin entire corporations if he wanted to. Like his technology and the way he. As far as, like, him being a tech god, in a sense, I really, really love that. It gave, him, it gave him a sense of empowerment, and it gave, like, person, persons of color, like me, a sense of purpose. Like, it made us seem cool again than just, you know, just another black superhero or anything like that. Like, it made, it made me want to see a more fleshed-out cyborg movie, which pisses me off because there actually was a cyborg movie planned way back when it was supposed to come out after Justice League Part 2. And just thinking about it, I'm just like, holy shit, this this movie would actually have been really incredible because some of the best scenes in this movie involved either A, Cyborg, or B, Cyborg with another character, or C, Cyborg and his father. They're really good stuff. And I don't understand how WB didn't, or Warner Brothers in general, didn't see this and was like, hey, this could be a potential blockbuster in our works. But yet, never gave it a chance. So then we follow that off with uh, Alfred teaching Diana how to make tea, and it was actually really cute. I'm not gonna lie, it was like Alfred was like very nervous and neurotic, <laughs> seeing Diana properly make you know English tea and everything like that. And I just thought it was it, it was it was a really cool like little banter between the two or anything like that. Um, we got our first f bomb, so. This, this film, I believe, is R-rated, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it is R-rated. And hearing Cyborg basically cuss or anything like that, it was like, whoa, damn, I'm dropping the F-bombs right now. He was like, fuck the world. And I was like, hey, all right, cool, I'm with this. Commissioner Gordon, um, they brought back his scenes as well, too. So J.K. Simmons is Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, pretty cool. Not going away. We, we start getting more of the uh, original stuff through this part there are some new stuff especially with the cyborg scenes but we also get like the original 2017 scenes as well too the fight between Steppenwolf and Aquaman was actually really cool Uh, the way how the design as far as like the camera work and the effects are concerned are actually pretty pretty damn dope (laughs) it 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 enhances the effect of the fight uh, when Aquaman's basically trying to save Mira from getting her ass handed to her by Steppenwolf so it gives more credence to their dynamic as far as Mira and Aquaman is concerned, but it also gives a lot more actually, hold on, before I get into that, there was a really cool thing with Mira now. As much as everybody hates Amber Heard, I love her character and how like she was fighting Steppenwolf and then like she started up absorbing when it was sucking out all the water and blood and basically all the liquid out of his body. I was like, damn, that is a really cool superpower. But overall, the fight in Atlantis between Steppenwolf, Uncle Man, and Mira, and, you know, Atlantean soldiers was really, really cool. And a lot more better than fucking ugh, 2017 Justice League. So, as of right now, all well, this goodness, and then as far as, like, the cyborg stuff and everything like that coming in, I just bumped it up to an 8. So now, we are now officially at an 8 out of 10, as far as, like, the overall movie is concerned. And I believe we are now halfway through it. We got three more parts left, so let's get into part four. And we are back with part four, entitled "Change Machine." I don't we'll get the. I really don't get this title. To be honest, be confusing. Anyway, loved the action scene in this. So this is the big, big, big action scene where uh, Batman, the Flash, Wonder Woman, Cyborg are going up against Steppenwolf Wolf and his army of fucking parademons as they try to rescue uh, Dr. Stiles Stone and uh, the rest of the scientists that were kidnapped or anything. Loved it. The music, the flow of the characters, the banter, everything about this scene just made me geek out. Like, (laughs) like, overwhelmingly geek out. I loved how each character got their time to shine even better than the 2017 Justice League original. But it, it, in such a great way, like um, Wonder Woman and Steppenwolf's beef with each other is actually pretty cool. Their little fight scene and their little exchanges with each other is really cool. The Flash, as goofy as he is, I actually like the comedy throughout this uh, throughout this scene. It's light like comedy. It's not like it's too heavy on the on the stupidity of it all. But it, I, I, I get it. I love it. I loved how Batman was basically struggling <laughs> Like this man was getting his ass kicked I'm sorry I love how he was struggling and how far out of his element that he was that he finally just woke up and realized like nah I'm Batman I'm not trying to get my ass beat right now let me go get into a giant robot before that now there's a little bit of a callback I, I forgot to mention this I'm sorry back in part three Diana and Alfred were during their tea exchange Alfred was testing out a new gauntlet uh, for uh, the Batman where he can absorb like energy blasts from like different alien tech and everything like that. We get to see that and then the the way how Alfred was basically like giddy with excitement like oh my god it actually worked and then Batman's like I don't have time for this. We can celebrate later. I need a robot. I am getting my ass kicked. (laughs) It leads into that. I thought it was really really thrilling stuff. And then the music, of course, with fucking Junkie XL score, like, heighten up the, the ramping up the, the tension as well, too, involved in it as well. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. I mean, the, the whole scene, just from beginning to end of that action sequence, really good stuff. And just so infinitely, like, a thousand times better than what it was in the 2017 Justice League original. Yeah. After that now, Steppenwolf gets boomed out of there, so he he gets the hell out of Dodge. But we realize that he was summoned by Darkseid, who finally speaks and boy did it give me chills. I'm really hoping he shows up full regalia and ready to kick the crap out of the league throughout the rest of the film. (sighs) But yeah, even more greatness from Cyborg's side of the story. Uh, I this is basically a fully freshed out origin for real like throughout the throughout the movie you, I keep saying this and I, I'll say it again this is cyborgs movie this is a cyborg movie that we never really got but we finally have a fully freshed out for audiences right now really great reveal in this as well too I'm sorry if this is a spoiler but hey I already warned you guys from before so if you don't want to hear it you can skip over to the next part but the Martian Manhunter he is finally here and he is finally revealed. And it was great. I did not see this coming. I really did not see this coming. I knew he was going to be a part of this movie, but I thought he was going to be like part of like a post-credits teaser. I didn't realize that they were just going to drop him right during the second half of the film. Mind you now, we are now two hours into this movie, two and a half hours. The The original movie was a solid. Well, no, I'm not saying it's solid. It was an abysmal two hours. We are now two hours into a four hour epic. And we are just now getting to basically the meat and potatoes of it all. (laughs) And the pacing is just so great that it's like moments like this. Oh, shit. I want to see what else they got involved. I want to see what other kind of new stuff is involved in this four hour cut. The end of four hour epic. Totally did not see the Martian Man reveal. As a tease, it kind of stings me because we may never see this character pop up again, which pisses me off. Because... it's Martian Manhunter. He's, like, one of the founding members of the fucking League. And not even just the League, but also the Justice League of America. <laughs> like, ugh, like, being really, 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 really fucked up with that by taking out his character out of the original film. Like, why? It makes no sense. I mean, it's not like it's the X-Men, where there's, like, 20,000 characters in one film. This is Martian Manhunter we're talking about, a very important character to the DC Universe as a whole. And they fucking neutered him and basically exiled him from the original film, the 2017 Justice League original. (sighs) But throughout this entire part, as far as the action is concerned, as far as the Martian Manhunter reveal is concerned, as far as this, you know, hearing Darkseid for the first time, and actually, you know, kind of semi-seeing him on screen for the first time, once again, Boop, bump it up to a 9 out of 10. So, so far, because of this seed and the the sum of all the parts before it, I'm giving this score a 9 out of 10 so far. Because we only got two more parts and an epilogue to deal with. So now onward to part five. Alrighty, so now we are at part five. Entitled, All the King's Horses way better setup for the return of Superman way better return <laughs> like, the setup involving it it leads it's a lot more extended because they go to star labs and then they have to trick uh, dr. Silas from getting into the uh, chambers and or Superman ship they have to dig up his corpse and all this other stuff it, it's just it's a lot more fleshed out than how they did it in the original where it just felt forced like it just like Superman's there, and I'm like, all right, cool, bet. But how did he get there? And then you lead off into Cyborg having visions after touching a certain part of the ship because the ship was trying to warn him that if you do this, catastrophic events will happen. Because it it just it sets up a lot, a lot for future films. It sets up a lot as far as this moment, as far as the return of Superman is concerned. It it just sets up a lot that could have been, but will never, sadly, will be. The nightmare sequence uh, as I aforementioned with cyborg basically cyborg plugs himself into uh, the Superman ship and he has this like little flashback and we go back to that nightmare world if you remember in dawn of justice uh, the nightmare world where super, uh, sorry Batman is wearing this like badass like fucking post-apocalyptic fucking costume and then the whole world is basically just just shit like like dark side basically took over the world that's literally what he's seeing. He sees Wonder Woman dead. He sees Darkseid impaling fucking Aquaman and then using his fucking Omega Beams. The motherfucking Omega Beams, bruh. <laughs> that was pretty cool. You see Superman holding, um, assuming Lowe's Lane's fucking you know corpse and or her skeleton. And then Darkseid like, puts his hand on his shoulder like, don't worry, bruh. I got you. You gonna be with me now. And then that leads into Superman turning basically evil into this whole dictator as well, too. So it's a lot of setups and a lot more explanation as far as that random nightmare sequence that happened in Dawn of Justice. And I love that. Great continuity for that, as far as that is concerned. The fight between Superman and the League is a lot more extended and a lot more fleshed out. I absolutely adored this fight now more than ever. <laughs> because of its music as well too there's a lot of things to take from the music i'm telling you man like no disrespect to danny elfman but his score just sounds completely totally different than the actual source material that was written for this film in zack snyder's justice league as far as junkie excel is concerned he basically pun intended excelled this score to a more heightened level. So it gives the fight and the action sequences a lot more depth and a lot more intensity and grittiness and just like, you know, adrenaline-pumping sequences like this and I just uh, loved the hell out of it. Uh, Silas Stone made a sacrifice and it was a quite a beautiful death. Again, this is still the Cyborg movie that we never got. Like his death as far as importance to Cyborg's character in general just felt way more organic than it was in the original. I don't understand how they took that out of the original fucking movie. It makes no sense to me why they took that out. Like, as a matter of fact, I think they it, it, it basically just exiled that guy altogether. Like, I don't think we saw Silas Stone for the rest of the film after this. <laughs> it, oh my god, the 2017 Justice League original is whew, Don't worry, I'm going to be reviewing it eventually, because I've been talking to you guys to death as to how horrible of a movie that is. But, man, the pacing for this four-hour epic is actually really good. Like, I am not even bored at all and actually want to finish this last leg of the film. I got two more parts after this, and it's just, I I wish there was more. To be honest, like, there could have been, this this shit could have been six, eight hours for all I care. This shit to be honest it should have been a miniseries like how i believe it was originally intended to be like a miniseries event where all the parts were episodic so you can like watch or, or binge like certain parts as well too if you wanted to but we got this four hours so I'm, I'm 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 fine i'm fine more than fine and dandy with it thank you for the healthy dose of four hours mr Zack snyder so now we're gonna lead off into part six we are almost there folks got two more parts left and here we are with the final part part six entitled something darker wow just fucking wow the finale was grand on pretty much every scale every sense of the word as far as like grand and epic and amazing and spectacular and everything like that this felt like what what dc's answer was is like hey i know you guys love your little grand finales in the mcu this is our representation of it and boy howdy was it uh amazing seeing the league work together from combo attacks to you know a little slight banter to everything else just felt so natural like this felt like a squad i loved the scene with the batmobile and that little age of ultron sort of like homage that shot of the entire team sans superman basically batman is in the batmobile and he's just there's like parademons everywhere there's a fucking thousands of them coming at him and everything like that he's shooting his way out he's putting it in a reverse terry and he's fucking going out and, and drifting everywhere and everything like that and just at the last second as they're about to destroy his fucking vehicle one woman comes swooping out of nowhere and you see the flash running in and everything like that and cyborg kind of like gliding along the batmobile and it just leads into this shot of all five heroes Aside from Superman, of course, which sucks because he didn't get, you know, he wasn't a part of this photo opportunity. Fucking flying in and it zooms in and it just slows down to a crawl. You just see everybody just look on point. You see Flash and his little running animation. You see Wonder Woman with her little war cry and everything like that. You see Cyborg about to blast somebody. You see (laughs) Aquaman with his fear and then the Batmobile. It's just... uh, pure geeky goodness I, like i squealed when i saw this shit i mean everything about this the action involved in this finale it just goes on and on and on and it's just like man i don't want this to stop batman redeemed himself before like when he was getting his ass kicked by the pair oh he went full ham i mean my man is swooping in drop kicking motherfuckers shooting him and, and, and we're gonna get that one crowd batman getting you a gun are you I don't give the two fucks. It's an alien invasion. That motherfucker's picking up a gad. I don't care. If I'm trying to survive, I'm picking up anything. What the fuck you want him to do, throw batarangs everywhere? (laughs) The man can only do so much with his gadgets. I'm picking up the nearest fucking automatic weapon, and I'm blasting motherfuckers out of the sky. That's my Batman. That's my Batman. God bless him. Then you got the Flash kicking ass and then you got Aquaman, you know, fucking throwing spears everywhere and Wonder Woman beating the fuck out of fucking everybody else. It, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. The Steppenwolf battle as well, too, between, uh, uh, sorry, Aquaman, Cyborg and Wonder Woman as well, too. Oh, great stuff. Great stuff throughout that. But sadly, something happens and it's something that I did not expect at all. The reason being is because in the 2017 Justice League original, there is a goofy-ass fucking sequence where The Flash and Superman is there and they're trying to save one fucking family. One fucking family. In the middle of an apocalyptic event that could potentially blow up and or destroy the entire planet. But you want to save one fucking family by moving their house and doing all this the 2017 Justice League original Jesus fucking Christ I am so glad they got rid of that scene because that just made no sense to me like if there was ever a moment where I wanted to walk out of the theater that was that moment during 2017 Justice League original God but the scene that happens after this catastrophic event It's the flash and this sequence. I I honestly I got tears in my eyes. I'm not going to lie. It was a really, really fantastic sequence featuring the flash and totally redeemed himself from all the other things that I was basically nitpicky about from the earlier parts of this movie. This is my flash. This is how I wanted flash to react and or handle said situations like this. It was beautiful, like the way it was shot. The way the the effects like went hand in hand. The way the music was fucking blaring on. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. And I cannot wait for his for his movie, like his official like Flashpoint film. I cannot wait to see what happens with that movie. Then Steppenwolf dies. Yay! The heroes have won. But Darkseid has bigger plans, and boy am I pissed that we won't see the light of day of him squaring up with the League. Like it literally ends with, you know, basically like, it, it, the way how it ends that whole sequence, it's like oh shit, there's gonna be a part two but there isn't, there was supposed to be, but now there isn't it's just, it's just shit like this that just grinds my fucking gears as to how the 2017 Justice League original started up and just, it's just completely just said, hey, you know what fuck all this shit, fuck all this, you know these, these teases, fuck all these like slight, you know all this good shit and everything like that let's make it more extended let's try to be as far and or as close to the MCU as humanly possible it just doesn't work these are two totally different type of fucking mediums there was one analogy that I read when I was reading one of the reviews off of the of, of this film and they said that basically this is to, akin to more of a graphic novel as whereas the 2017 justice league original was it more akin to more of a comic booky style i get it like okay like say for instance it it also makes sense because like if you look at um the joker film that's more of a graphic novel style of a film it has it kind of takes away from the source material from the actual comic books but it felt like a a graphic novel that i would love to read watchmen is actually based off a graphic novel, and the film, in the way that how Zack Snyder did Watchmen as well, too, felt a lot more like a graphic novel. It didn't feel like a comic book. It felt truer to the actual source material as it being a graphic novel, and and or being a really good fucking movie as well, too. Stop shitting on Zack Snyder, people. All right, I'm sorry. I'm getting on a t- tangent right now. <laughs> sorry. Superman kicking the crap out of Stephen Wolf felt way more brutal than the original, and as well, I forgot to mention this black suit Superman so we get black suit Superman as well too in this and they took that out as a matter of fact in part 5 I should have mentioned this but I'm trying not to be a spoiler spoiler heavy as I want to be but I got to talk about it his scene in that is really really good The way how they portrayed him going into his black suit, Superman suit, and getting back to, you know, Superman in general with him, you know, having the power of flight and absorbing the sun sunlight and, you know, basically charging up his batteries to do battle. And boy, oh boy, did he when he beat the ever-living shit out of fucking Steppenwolf. It it was great. This was no banter, all action, as it should have been. Like, this is not a marvel movie this is the motherfucking dc universe bring on the blood bring on the gore bring on the fucking all the the high impact fucking punches all that good shit and then when dust settles the final shot of the league assembled on a bright new day just hit all the right notes from the score to the way it was shot this is the truest representation of hope honor and teamwork found in this team fuck yes about everything about this part everything about this part This gave, this, honestly, this skyrocketed my review from, like, actually the score from a 9 to a solid 10 out of 10. (laughs) Like, this was really, really, really good, but we're not done yet, because we have an epilogue coming right afterwards that basically ties this all up in one little, whoop, neat little bow. So we're coming back with the epilogue to Zack Snyder's Justice League and here we are with the epilogue entitled well, epilogue pretty much perfect setups for future films for the league i love the setups that they involved as far as like wonder woman is concerned as far as aquaman especially aquaman because i'm not really that much of a fan of the 2018 aquaman film But now seeing this movie, I'm like, okay, it makes a lot more sense. It feels, as I said before, more organic. I love the narration given by Silas Stone. It it basically puts a nice little bow on Cyborg's little origin story as well, too. I loved that. (laughs) I loved everything about it, especially like Silas speaking about, you know, the future as far as like Cyborg being a hero as well, too a very very perfect setup the post credits teaser teaser that featured lex luthor and deathstroke was a bit better but to be honest i still don't like jesse eisenberg's very nutty portrayal of lex luthor he plays him as like a psychopath which that's not lex like lex is the smart, always the smartest man in the room granted he does play him with a little bit more of a debonair sort of tone. I mean, we got the full suit and the bald head as well, too. And, you know, the various women assassins, whatever like that is around him. But still, it, you don't play him as a psychopath. You can't play Lex Luthor as the Joker. It, it just doesn't fit. They're two, different, they're two different sides of the coin. One is all about chaos. The other one is just, you know, trying to be the bigger man. Literally. <laughs> in both physical and a mental state as well too so it, it, it just uh, it just doesn't work for me we are now back into the nightmare sequence oh boy this is a doozy so we go back into the whole nightmare sequence again and we you know see batman but batman has compatriots who are these compatriots we got deathstroke we have mira we have the flash and we have cyborg Apparently all working together for a common goal to stop either a dark side or be murder rampaging fucking Superman that's been going around killing every hero on the planet <laughs> so they're on the run the big though, reveal though is the Joker and it's Jared Leto's Joker so Jared Leto's Joker I was never a fan of back in Suicide Squad as a matter of fact I think it is the worst Joker I have ever seen in my life this portrayal that he did, or re-portrayal that he did of the Joker, was spot on. It was creepy, it was menacing, it was intense, it was great. Their little exchange as far as Batman and Joker is concerned, I'm calling it one of the top three best exchanges that these two characters have ever had in a live-action film. It's right up there with Heath Ledger's final scene with Christian Bale's Batman, and Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton's exchanges as well too in the 89 Batman film. Just brilliant stuff from both actors, and I am super pumped that we may possibly never see these two on screen together again. It's just—it's just thinking about it, like there's so many moments of throughout this film that you can't help but imagine how good Part Two would have been had they fucking kept to the fucking material and and, and or kept to the fucking timeline that was already originally planned out for the Snyderverse. Like there's a hashtag going on called Restore the Snyderverse and if it goes off that well and you know the fan outcry as far as this movie is concerned because people are actually loving it, I really hope Wonder Brothers says, hey, we're going to give Zack Snyder another chance not to redeem himself but to help redeem their credibility as far as like giving directors their just desserts as far as their visions are concerned. Warner Brothers was really fucked up for what they did to this man's movie. That's all I gotta say. But man, what a way to end the film. Like if you can imagine the big wigs at Warner Brothers actually giving this a chance and we got a proper sequel for this, it would have been great. Martian Manhunter's ominous uh face to face with Bruce is a real highlight as well. The movie ends with Martian Manhunter talking to Bruce about, you know, future events to come and how Darkseid is basically ready to beat that ass he he is coming and it's only a matter of time before apocalypse comes to earth and (laughs) hopefully or i'm really hoping that the nightmares weekends doesn't play out as you know grim as that sees but i cannot believe we will probably never see this shocking i know but only time can tell and now Now that I've finished (laughs) talking about all the parts in general, including its epilogue, it's time to get in to my full score and full review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. Alrighty, so Zack Snyder's Justice League is by far my favorite film of the DCEU. It's compelling, paces brilliantly for four hours worth of entertainment, has a killer soundtrack looks much better and grittier than his colorful but dazzling counterpart. All the characters just feel right and to the point, and above all else, this is the best example of not screwing with another man's work. Fuck Joss Whedon for neutering the film to MCU levels. Fuck the corporate assholes from Warner Brothers who agreed to chopping the film's balls off. And above all else, fuck the haters who doubted Snyder's vision in the first place. This is such a great film that I have seen, that I basically have seen it twice in its first day. Like yesterday, I watched it. I literally woke up around like 5 a.m., binged the hell out of it, just watched a whole fucking four hours. Then later on, watched it with my brother. Again, another four hours. And I actually plan on watching it a third time over this weekend. It has quickly become one of my all-time favorite movies, and I am so glad I lived long enough to at least see these iconic heroes be portrayed on screen the way they were intended originally. Just don't screw with another man's work. Please. Please. Final score. I don't like giving perfect scores. I don't like giving perfect scores. I said before that throughout part six, but throughout this entire feature... I mean, as far as like the nitpicky is concerned, and I'm thinking about the the musical interludes, I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. It's definitely a 9 out of 10. It is a solid, solid movie. Solid movie, and I highly recommend it. If you guys have HBO Max, or if you know of somebody that has HBO Max, go ahead, watch it. Take a chance. Actually see the movie as it was intended. Leave everything about the 2017 Justice League original out of your mind and just load it just let it just in the cosmic dust and just absorb and soak in the true vision that is and forever will be Zack Snyder's Justice League and there you have it here's a review there's a review I actually wasn't going to do this on Saturday but I love this movie so much that I was like you know what I couldn't stop geeking over geeking over about it so I was like you know what let me go ahead and review it give you guys that early treatment Today as well too, I will be doing the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode, or the first episode of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so don't worry, that review is coming uh, later on today. So you're getting a double dose of this lovely podcast in your ears today. Um, after that, on Monday, we have Assault on Precinct 13 as we continue our John Carpenter Retrospective. On Wednesday, we have No More Heroes. That is our next video game review. And then on Friday, we have the second episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, once again, I am your host, Andrew Bullock. You were listening to Drew's Views. These were my views on Zack Snyder's Justice League, and I hope you guys have a great day. Toodles!